Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Last week on the show, you heard me ask out one of the hottest guys on Bumble. But I feel like I'm supposed to ask you out now. Really? And he said yes to a date. But then, for some crazy reason, I followed that up with this. Oh, Mike, this is the best. I forgive you for having my ex-boyfriend's name already. (laughs) Uh. And just so you guys know, I'm not planning to record this date. I'm not going to even tell you how it went. This is where I need to close the curtain on my personal life. But let me tell you this. Some hope for my fellow awkward daters out there. When Hot Bumble Mike heard my fumble on this podcast, he said he didn't remember that moment at all. With all the emotional extremes of dating, our brains and memories can't always be trusted, which has been especially true as I've navigated my last breakup with the other Mike. Today on the show, we're exploring how to fall out of love with someone. And if you're my ex-boyfriend, you've been warned. The following podcast contains explicit language. Dear Mike, hey, it's your ex-girlfriend. You know, the hot one with the super famous podcast about our breakup. I just want to let you know that I have so many interesting lovers now. They're all very rich and flexible with winning smiles who text me all day long about how much they want to start a family with me and die in my arms. They're always bringing me flowers and Thai food and toys for my dog. At this point, I'm just sick of all the nonstop orgasms. Like, it's only Tuesday. And it's funny because I used to think you were it you'd be the last one to know me in that way? Not anymore. I have new friends now. Talented artists and writers and musicians who cook me dinner. We talk about everything in a way that is so punchy and so smart, you think we're performing an Aaron Sorkin script. And sometimes I think about how you'd get along with them. And then I remember that I never would have even found them if it wasn't for the giant void you left in my life. You're never going to know the moments when I miss you most. Those days when I pull the yellow mustard out of the fridge and then I lose my footing. Remembering our joke about how it used to say new recipe on the label. How that made it taste better. I miss you so much sometimes. It's hard to get off the floor. 
So yeah, it's been hard, but I'm getting there. This is Why Why. I'm Andrea Salenzi, and back in episode eight of the show, I told you I'd just broken up with my long-term boyfriend, Mike. And over the past six months, I've been doing the show while carrying around all this grief. And sometimes that sadness has felt like it might belong on the podcast. I describe it as suddenly being made a special correspondent for the gaping hole in my chest. So there have been a lot of interviews where, even when we're talking about something totally different, I found myself asking for advice. If you go outside, anywhere, to the beach, to the park, any other place where you can see a single guy, you can just come up to him with your frisbee and just say, hey, do you want to play? I'm on the phone with Olga Pronin. She's the marketing manager for Whammo Frisbees, one of the oldest, most iconic Frisbee brands. And we're talking about how a Frisbee could help me find a boyfriend. And then I found myself asking her this. You know, I... I met this guy two and a half years ago, and we had this amazing relationship, and I really, really loved him, like more than I've ever loved anyone I've ever met in my whole life. And we lived together, and then we broke up because he never wants to have a kid, and I think I'd like to have a kid in, you know, in the next like five years or something. Could Frisbee help me get over my breakup? Now, after I asked her that, I expected her to say, that is a super weird question. How on earth could I answer that? But instead, she said this. I think frisbee as any other sports and activity, it can take your thoughts away. And uh, as long as you, I know it's hard to imagine that you can just, after a difficult breakup, after being through all this nightmare of all your, you know, thoughts and fears and tears, which you had at night. How does she know I cry at night? Unfortunately, right? Because we all have been through difficult yeah, times. Yeah, you, you you try not to cry at work, but if you cry at work, right. then you just say it's because of Donald Trump, and then that's really easy. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I think it's just as an other sport. I'm a tennis player, so whenever I feel bad, and whenever I even don't have someone to play tennis with, I will always go hit the wall. Do you hear that? She'll throw a tennis ball at the wall. Because if you love doing something, it just helps you to stay away from all those bad thoughts of kind of problem with self-esteem, maybe problems with... Wait, who said I have low self-esteem? They will just fade away because you should love yourself. Now, we should always tell women to love themselves, but this bothers me about breakup advice I'm hearing. Everyone wants to reassure me that I shouldn't feel bad about myself. And yeah, sure, I think about that sometimes, that if I was a little taller with less manly hands and better at using liquid eyeliner? Would Mike have wanted a future with me? If I could just stop saying impulsive things at parties and use semicolons in my emails, would he have wanted a family someday? But the question never made sense for us because after two years, Mike knew me. He'd heard my dog voice. I wasn't sucking up my chest anymore, hiding that I watched The Bachelor. And he still loved me through most of it. My breakup wasn't tied up in my self-esteem. It was just a deep emotional pain. The grief of missing him, missing an idea I had about our future. And to cure my pain, her advice was to hit the wall, find an activity that's repetitive to take up my time. And that's probably how I got on this advice kick. Dr. Fred Noor. Noor like tour with an N or like more or poor. Great. What are you a doctor in? What's your specialty? Uh, brain disorder, neurology. 
I called Dr. Fred Noor shortly after receiving his mysterious press release. It promised me that the secrets to true love could be best understood through my brain chemistry. So I asked him, why am I having such a hard time moving on from my breakup and dating again? You have to fall out of love before you fall in love. And if you do not fall out of love, you will not be able to love somebody else again. But how do you fall so out of love with other than yeah 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 you don't you don't do it consciously. It's just a matter of time. Right. Everyone likes to tell me it takes time. Sometimes separation, time, and distance help that fade away better. Because every every time you interact with that person, you release more chemicals that bond you together. And I agree with that. That's why I blocked him on every online platform you can block someone. Unfortunately, it's not like the good old days where you can just rip up someone's phone number. I actually had to unfollow and unfriend all of our mutual friends. I'm so sorry, guys. And I even had to clear out all the settings that autofill his name. I try to think about him as rarely as I can. It's like a game now. But still, it feels like he's the reason why I don't want to make out with any of my dates. You know, I'm going on dates. I'm trying to meet people. I just don't feel anything, like just absolutely right, nothing. Because, yes, because you are, you are still in love with the first mate. Dr. Noor has a very unfortunate metaphor for this. It's like a woman who is, say, four months pregnant from, by one person. She wants to get pregnant by somebody else. Um, what? You will never get pregnant by the second person unless you lose the pregnancy from the first one. If your metaphor involves losing a pregnancy, you might want to find a better one. You know what? Let's just, let's just go with it. And then when you feel you're not in love with the first person, only then can you look for another one. Let me guess. Does it take time? So moving from a relationship to a relationship takes time. It's not a very fast process, unless you are not in love with the first one to begin with. See, he moved on really fast. Like, I saw him on the street with someone like just two months after I moved out of our apartment together. So do you think that his brain is better at that? Do you think the male brain might be better at it than the female brain? No, 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 no. I think he probably wasn't truly in love with you. We have a sound effects library that I use here for the show. This is the sound of someone being punched in the gut. Huh. That's not it, though. What if I just slowed it down? He probably wasn't truly in love with you. If he can change gears so quickly, then, then you were not truly really in love. If he was, it should take him time to do that. And that's how I found myself saying these words. So I need to try to miscarry my love for him so that... I can get pregnant with love for someone else. That's correct. That's correct. You need to be away from him. No communication at all, so there's no interaction. You have to give it time, and these chemicals don't stay in the brain forever. They wear out and eventually disappear. And only then can you succeed in falling in love again with somebody else. Here is one of the many things I don't like about the time argument. When I look back at all the memories in all of my life, a lot of the feelings have faded. Like that time I had a falling out with a friend or yelled at my mom. And now I can barely remember what that was all about, let alone what it felt like. 
but the ones that stick, the feelings I can remember, are the ones of the most incredible intensity. So I worry a lot that my feelings for Mike were so strong that they don't have a relatable half-life. They're going to stay radioactive longer than I want them to. So while I try to heal from this breakup, while the brain starts to get ready to love someone else, is it physically possible that I could just love him for the rest of my life and it doesn't go away? Like, is if I really, really loved him, is it possible that I could be 80 years old and still love this guy? It is it possible. I say the story of the movie Titanic. It's been 84 years. And I can still smell the fresh paint. Rose, she had a, she threw that she was 80 years old and she still had the heart for Jack and she threw it off the boat. But why that? Because it's an aborted love story, meaning she fell in love with somebody, then that somebody died, so she could never fall out of love from him. So Rose got stuck in being in love with that person because he died. Come back! And I can assure you that Rose never fell in love again with somebody else, and as a result, never experienced true love. I'll never let go. I promise. If he did not die, let's assume that what would have happened? You'd have went together to Boston. She would eventually discover that the background is different, that he is broke, has no money at all. He makes money by gambling, not the best partner. He is good in painting, but maybe the other better painter over there, then she will eventually discover he's not as fantastic as I thought. Eventually, she could have fallen out of love from him to fall in love with somebody else. Mm. So I always stayed in love with him just only because he died. And the, the love failed to evolve, or she failed to fall out of love from him. So it could happen. That's cool. Yeah, it can happen. I guess they teach Titanic in medical school now. But I get his point. If my love for Mike doesn't fade... This has less to do with how much I loved him and more to do with my inability to know the things that would have gone wrong if our relationship had made it past that two-year marker. We never really got to test out our incompatibilities because, and forgive me for this word choice, we decided to abort our relationship. We never got to see it go from romantic love to love love. So instead of remembering Mike frozen in time, I should be thinking about his gambling habit. And to be a thousand percent clear here, Mike did not have a gambling habit. I'm just going to use that phrase as my metaphor for all the various things that made us a bad match, like the kid question and some other things that I don't want to drag him for here on this podcast. Since the breakup, I've had so many friends say to me, I knew that wasn't going to last because of his gambling habit. And I'll be like, he had a gambling habit? I was so distracted by all the good stuff. Oh, oh. He had a gambling habit, didn't he? And sometimes I'll be on a new date, and my date will tell me that he's never been to a casino. He doesn't even know how to play cards. And I'll be like, wow, I didn't realize it was so important to me 
to find someone who doesn't have a gambling habit. And every day that I haven't had to think about his gambling habit, it's been nice. And that's one of the purposes of falling out of love, to give you a chance to see your mate selection, to decide whether you selected the correct mate or not. Because during romance, the chemicals give you illusion, delusion, you don't see a reality. The so-called love is blind. And that's why people are telling me that it takes time. Not just for my feelings to fade, but for me to see the full picture in high resolution. And if you look really close at the picture, you can see me. I'm hand-drawn and naked, wearing this giant diamond necklace in the shape of a heart. You actually think this is you, Nana? It is me, dear. Wasn't I a dish? Romance is not true love, and there's a common misconception, a common confusion among people. Let's take a break. When we get back, what the Titanic can teach us about our current political climate. Actually, no, it's just more helpful advice for getting over my breakup. And we're back. One night, shortly after moving into my new apartment, I was on the phone with my mom. And I was telling her how hard it had been, how, how much pain I'm in, how everyone keeps saying it takes time and that Time only seems to move at the speed time moves in. And my mom wanted me to feel better, so she suggested this. You know what I think you should do, Andrea? Really, honey, just try taking a couple Tylenols. I heard that same advice from one of my fellow podcasters, Gretchen Rubin. Now, research shows that emotional pain like operates in the same way as physical pain. And if you take over-the-counter pain reliever, it will actually relieve your heartache to some extent. So I Googled it, and I think they must have both read the same Modern Love column. This came out last summer. Can Tylenol help heal a broken heart? It cited research from 2010, when scientists found that acetaminophen, a.k.a. Tylenol, can reduce physical and neural responses associated with social rejection. So I started taking a couple. Every now and then, you know, it's cheap and readily available. Tylenol seems to reduce responses to experiences of rejection in the laboratory. I'm talking with psychology professor Baldwin Way from Ohio State University. For years, he's been researching how Tylenol can help reduce my social pain, which it does. But there's a catch. Based on our data, we've been finding that acetaminophen tends to reduce your overall emotional experience. In one of Professor Way's studies, he gave 40 participants the equivalent of two extra-strength Tylenol. And then he gave the other 40 placebo pills. And then he showed them pictures of both weeping, starving children, but also kids playing with kittens. And then they rated the images with how pleasant or depressing they were. The ones who had taken the drug, Tylenol, they felt about 20% less happy with the kitten photos and 10% less sad looking at the starving children. Which means that just two Tylenol could have a muffling effect for all my emotions. And if it is having this general effect of blunting emotion, that may be a very good thing in a domain such as when you're going through this relationship breakup, but that may actually be a bad thing in other contexts. So that's blunting my anxiety about deadlines, my disgust over our new president, but also my ability to enjoy art, to feel successful at work. 
So not feeling emotions, for example, can reduce your empathy, can reduce your ability to connect with others. Empathy was the focus of his most recent study on Tylenol. Going back to a couple presidents ago when President Clinton, during his campaign in 1992, was famously said to a person who was going through some economic hardship, Bill Clinton at that time said, I feel your pain. Uh, and this, he had this connection. He was resonating. There was, he was sharing the experience of this person who had been going through some economic hardship. And that sharing of this other person's experience led to a connection. And the question is, how do we do that? How do we understand somebody else's experience? How do we connect with another person in that way? And it seems that one theory or one idea is that we actually put that Uh, emotional state that other person is experiencing, we represent that in our brain. We literally walk in their shoes, as it were, by asking our brain does, how would I feel if I were in that situation? How would I feel if I were walking in that person's shoes? And so the, the question was, is this how we connect with the pain of others? Do we put ourselves in their shoes? And if Tylenol is blunting our pain, does this then blunt our ability to experience another's pain? So I need my empathy to connect with the new date, to understand things from the perspective of my ex, maybe. To understand how small my pain is in the larger scale of human suffering. So I don't take Tylenol anymore for heartache. But I still had to ask him, what are those feelings in the first place? I've been going through this breakup and my heart feels achy every day. That hundred pound heart, that giant hole in your chest, you know. Songs and literature have tried to describe that feeling, and now I just carry it with me. And I was happy with this guy for so long that I forgot what that feeling felt like, and now it's just part of my daily life in such an extreme way. And I wonder how much of that is an emotional symptom and how much of that is a physical symptom. How do you know I'm not just experiencing chemical withdrawal from sharing an apartment with him or just a withdrawal from general happy feelings that come with having a sex life and someone you love around you? Oh, um... What a sigh! I would say that the the feelings you have are real and they are probably connected to the changes in neurochemistry that occur as a result of a breakup. I think there is much debate in the literature whether or not the pain you experience from a breakup is the same thing or different than physical pain. To what degree is there an overlap between them? What's happening to my body when I feel heartache? What am I actually feeling that's going on? Um. <laughs> You're sighing after my question so hard. I'm so sorry if it's is that too basic of a question or too or there is no easy answer. Well, we do we do say, and this is this is the standard social pain idea is that we say heartache backache. One's a physiological thing. One is a emotional, more emotional thing, but both we use the same language to describe the same phenomenon. Both have an ache in them, right? He says there are better things that I can do for myself than take a Tylenol. Yes, drugs can change our neurochemistry, but so can our social relationships. So I think one of the things that uh, is apparent to me is that each thing we do in our day tends to have lasting biological effects. And I think this is where there's been a resurgence of the health effects of 
ancient teachings, so whether from the Eastern traditions in terms of mindfulness meditation or from the Western traditions in terms of more religious involvement, these type of practices can, can have health effects and change our underlying neurochemistry. Connecting with other relationships, serving and helping others seems to have positive physiological effects as well. Uh, and so I, my sense and my view and one of the reasons I uh, study the interaction between social relationships and, and drugs is not to advocate that drugs be used, but to actually the converse that I think social connections, social bonds, forming those relationships can actually ameliorate some of these neurochemical challenges without drugs. And as much as my mom and everyone who read that Modern Love column want to believe that an inexpensive, readily available pill can help, the truth is that whatever shook us up physically and emotionally in the first place during that extreme period of grief, whatever gave me a rash when I was moving out and gave my friend a limp during her divorce that makes losing someone you love feel like being hit by a truck, that same system can be exploited by forging new connections. If you flood your system with new bonds, you will start to feel better. And he had one last thing to add. Yep, time. The situation you're in sucks, and there, but it also will change with time. So, Wait, is that a medical fact that it'll change with time? <laughs> <laughs> it does. Emotions are designed to help us respond to current events. And so the newer events, the newer experiences will uh, start to occupy more and more of our time, and these other experiences fade into memory. So even if Rose never let go of Jack, most of her life probably wasn't spent consumed with that feeling. She got distracted by current events, her children, grandchildren, uh, assisting modern-day treasure hunter Brock Lovett as he searched for the blue diamond. And I found my own quest to be very distracted by, this quest for the perfect piece of breakup advice, something that can finally give me some peace. This week's listener question comes from Andrea Salenzi. I know her. I know Andrea. And as part of my process, I called into one of my favorite podcasts. This is a show called Happier, hosted by Gretchen Rubin and her sister, Elizabeth Kraft. Dear Happier, after almost three years... So I left a message with the whole story. This is a show that once convinced me to buy an egg cooker. Maybe they can solve my breakup, too. Can you guys write me a recipe for a breakup cure? And Gretchen told me this. Time passing tends to, like, help heal emotional wounds. Yeah, it's the time thing again. I would say if she could, she should take a trip. Mm. And not just, and not even like, oh, I'm going to take a trip to Boston and see, like, my old friend. Oh, my friend Rose. That'd be fun. But, like, do a challenging trip. Something that demands a lot. Like, to a country where you've never been before or where they don't speak the language. Or or go camping. Or do something where you really, you're going to be distracted and you're going to be thinking a lot. And you're going to be managing a lot of new ideas and new inputs. Like, go to Kyoto or something, mm. you know, where it's going to be really different. Hold on. Estimating the cost of a trip to Kyoto right now. And this isn't going to work. In a short time, it will feel like much more time has passed. So that's one thing she could do. My new version of that has been more trips around the city, saying yes to more parties. Basically, anything new, I treat it like medicine. And then came this advice. And I remember exactly where I was standing when I heard it. Maybe so will you. Now, one thing about this question of how to deal with a breakup, to me, it goes back to something that I have mentioned on this podcast several times, um, and it keeps coming up again. 
uh, which is something my friend Corrine said, which is that being an adult is learning to live with regret. And I go back to that time and time again. And in this case, I think it really applies. It's like, Andrea may always regret the loss of this guy in Mm. her life. Mm. You know, it may, she may never feel better about it, but Mm. that's just part of being an adult is just learning to live with that regret. Breaking up with someone you love is not an easy decision. It wasn't for me or for him. And I think a lot about the alternate universe out there where we stayed in it and I'm still lying on our old sofa, drinking wine out of our favorite glass with his giant arm perched on my shoulder. You know, I never felt more like me than when I was talking with him. If human beings are like pools of water, talking to him always felt like exploring this deep, cold well. And when I have a kid someday, will that regret go away? Of course not. I'm just going to live with that regret. And that's why we have yoga, right? And meditation and long runs. These are all things we've made up to help us learn how to sit with things. Things that aren't good or bad. They just are. Dear Andrea, it's me, future Andrea, the famous 3D virtual reality podcast host of 2067. Of course, (laughs) we don't call them podcasts anymore. First, I have some good news. And let me tell it to you in the form of a story. Someday you're going to be an old lady in space pants, and you're going to go visit a woman who does palm readings. I know that stuff's bullshit, but in the future you do what you can to take your mind off the water crisis. And on that day, your beautiful, beautiful palm reader is going to scan your hand, and she's going to notice this teeny tiny notch in your lifeline. And she'll ask you, did you go through a breakup right before Trump? Back when we had enough water to cry in the shower? Before the nuclear years? Back when we still had whales? And you'll say, yeah. Yeah, I did. Uh, It was this guy, um, Mike. And for a second, it'll all come back. The woody smell of his bar soap. Waking up with your old dog in his arms. Oysters in Provincetown. And the palm reader will smile and tell you that that one little notch changed your whole lifeline in a different direction. It changed everything. And you'll confide in her. You'll say, you know, sometimes, usually late at night, you still feel a little regret about him. Could she tell you, was it all for the best? And then your palm reader will just sigh deeply and look into your face for a clue about the answer you want to hear. Don't worry, she'll say. Just give it time. And now I need to give you the bad news. Now that you're dating again, 
there are going to be some more breakups. Our show is produced by me, Andrea Salenzi, with Lindsay Cradwell. Our editor is Hilary Frank. Our artwork changes every week thanks to Teddy Blanks at Chips.NYC. Our theme music is by Andy Miklas, Casey Holford, and Lee Rosefear. Special thanks to Mia Lobel and Andy Bowers at Panoply. Have you ever seen your ex's stupid face on Tinder? If so, YOY wants to hear about it. Let us know at yyradio.com slash focus group. We're doing a survey there, gathering data for a future show. Next time on YOY, we're going to learn how a Frisbee is the key to a happy marriage. He always throws it some other direction where I am, so I have to run for it. And it's always funny because I'm like, why do this? And I can run after him, chasing him. And, you know, just you try to beat him on this. And uh, <laughs> I don't know, for us, it's always fun. I love it. It's always fun. Aw, it's cool that you have a husband to play Frisbee with. He can play with animals. Like, we have our friends have a dog.